Amen. Who was here uh, last week for one of the Graham evenings? Anybody? Or Sunday mornings even. Okay, very good. That was so, so good. Perry, thank you for leading us. Can we give the Lord a hand for just what he's doing there? Clive, if you'll come on up, this is the chairman of our elder board. He's going to be preaching today. We're jumping into a, a really wonderful new series. It's three weeks. Um, it's kind of an exegetical look at the book of Ephesians, and it's called Sit, Walk, Stand. It's very simple, but here is one of the things that I, I really want you to tune into this morning is he's actually bringing a message on sitting, and I think it's one of the big things that uh, the American church is at risk of missing. It's a huge, huge message. So the next three weeks are going to be powerful. This is our dear friend, Clive. Thank you for being here. Take it away. <laughs> Thank you very much, Michael. They promised me that the microphone would be on, and it sounds like it is, which is great. Thank you very much, and thanks to the guys on sound. It's really good what they achieve. <clears throat> if you'd like to turn with me uh, to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians and chapter 1, verse 17. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he called, his glorious people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Chapter two, verse four, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Now, sometimes when you're asked to speak, you know it's going to be controversial. And you know that it's going to be difficult for people to hear and for people to believe. So I'm warning you right from the start that some of what you're going to hear is going to make some of us say, I'm not sure I'm a believer. I'm not sure I'm a Christian. That's absolutely fine. You have permission to doubt in these next few minutes because... I'll give you the response to that uh, at the same time. 
The other thing is sometimes when you speak, you know that it's going to rock accepted norms and understandings. See, sit, walk, stand does everything that we really don't want. Most people believe that a Christian is somebody who has accepted Jesus. That is absolute nonsense. A Christian is not someone who has accepted Jesus. If you believe that a Christian is someone who's accepted Jesus, then I believe Scripture and nothing else. Show me in the Bible where you're told to accept Jesus. And it never happens. What you do read is that once you read, Jesus has accepted you. That's fine. But it doesn't ask if you accept Jesus. It doesn't ask, now this is where we get complicated, if you believe in Jesus. You may say, yes, it does. Ah, yeah, but you see, the problem is there are different Greek words for believe. One of those words is about your mental acknowledgement of Jesus. Another is the Greek word pistuo, which means an actual lifetime surrender. It doesn't mean you just believe with your head. It means you believe in the depths of your being and have therefore done something about it. And so believing in Jesus is not just acknowledging that he's there. Scripture says the devil believes in Jesus in that way. Satan acknowledges who Jesus is. That doesn't make him a Christian. And so a Christian is someone more than someone who has a mental acknowledgement. If you want to know what a Christian actually is, a Christian is someone who has surrendered their life to Jesus. And that sounds like it should be a subsequent act. You know, we, we start off by believing and then we get to the point of uh, full-scale commitment. Again, show me in Scripture where you get that idea because the only thing Scripture understands about a Christian is that a Christian is someone who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. That means they belong to Jesus. Katrina is going to demonstrate this with me, and she's a very brave lady, so that we can show you what this really means. So we are just going to demonstrate what real Christianity is. Is that okay? Sure. Good. Good, you see... I believe that a Christian is someone who surrendered to Jesus and who has given total trust and commitment to Christ. We, we're going to demonstrate that. Okay. So Now, I just need to ask you first, do you trust me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very brave lady. You saw Ruth looking absolutely skeptical at that moment. <laughs> Katrina, what I need to ask you to do is turn and face that wall. Stay there. Do not move. Okay? Now, you can't see me. Do you believe I'm standing behind you? Yeah. And do you trust me? Yeah. Don't do anything. 
You see, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to fall over backwards. Don't yet. And I'm going to catch you. Not yet. I need to say, because Michael has not really done a brilliant job, uh, done a brilliant job on just about everything here, but he's not done a brilliant job on checking the insurance at every point for this building. <laughs> and if I drop you, you're probably going to break your back. Okay, so don't move yet at all. But you're not going to break your back because I'm going to catch you. Do you trust me? Are you sure? Then, Katrina, I want to ask you to fall over backwards. <laughs> You're a very light lady. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've done that thousands of times over the years. I used to walk into British schools and get one of the kids to come out. And A Christian is not someone who believes in Jesus. A Christian is not someone who acknowledges the truth of Jesus. A Christian is not someone who has received Jesus. A Christian certainly is not someone who just accepts Jesus. A Christian is someone who surrenders to Jesus. And when they surrender to Jesus, their past, their sin, their old life falls away. And they discover a new life. I'm so grateful to you. Because that's what it means when you can't see him. You think you can hear his voice. And you're prepared to risk it all. That's a Christian. And Watchman Nee, the great Chinese Christian in the 20th century, who spent most of his life in a Japanese prisoner of war camp, Watchman Nee wrote a book called Sit, Walk, Stand. And an awful lot of Christians I know say, hang on, he got it the wrong way round. As a Christian, you don't start off by sitting. You start off by walking. That's how you live for Jesus. And you walk until you're tired and then you can sit. But actually, that's the wrong way round. Christianity talks about a God who's sitting down. It talks about a Savior who's seated at the right hand of his Father and calls us to join him sitting. So Christianity doesn't tell you to do in order that you may sit or walk. It tells you to sit in order that you may then walk and do. And you start off by the act of surrender and by belonging. You don't, don't start off by what you achieve, by what you work to do. So we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. We're saved by faith. We're not saved by what we do for Jesus. We're saved by what Jesus has done for us. Most Christians don't believe that. Oh, they do in theory. But they do so much for God because they believe that's what gets them somewhere. You see, you may have thought that by volunteering here at Saltbox and by doing a lot of stuff, God was going to be pleased with you. 
uh-uh, all the stuff you do for Jesus isn't going to get you anywhere. The reality is that Jesus has done a whole lot for you, so out of gratitude, you may want to do something in return. That's not doing stuff for him. That's returning his love by acts of love as well. And that's what your volunteering means, doesn't it? We've got to get this stuff the right way round, or we lose. So the first six days of creation culminated in God making you and I, God making man and woman. Left till day six. Left till God had done everything else. And once he'd made us, he, he sat down. You see, sitting is the ultimate act. So please sit down. Please relax. Please rest in the arms of Jesus. Watchman Nee put it like this. Our Christian life begins with the discovery of what God has provided for us. The British theologian uh, in the 20th century, John Stott, old friend and a, a dear writer. If you get a chance to read Stott, he's worth it, but he'll push you. John said this, the mystery of the gospel is that God offers us salvation without works. God's call to us was to an altogether new life in which we know, love, obey, and serve Christ. We enjoy fellowship with him and with each other. And we look beyond our present suffering to the glory which will one day be revealed. We can't do this for us. It's all done by Jesus. Jesus has done it all. He's brought this world into being. He's given us life and hope and a future. He's gone to a cross and died to bring us forgiveness and a relationship with him. You may say, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. This business about not doing anything. Yeah, you see, you got it wrong. You thought Christianity was a religion, didn't you? A religion tells you what God expects from you. Christianity is not now and never has been a religion. Christianity is simply a relationship. It's a relationship with God that doesn't depend on what you do. The what you do comes later. The relationship is what makes the difference. So let's go through the basics with some help from the back. Six rules to understand how to start sitting. You've got to acknowledge these ones. One, sitting is where it all begins. Sitting comes first. Two, the Christian's secret is his or her rest in Christ. You've got to sit before you can walk. We sit forever with Christ so we may walk continuously before others. We abide in Jesus, moving by a power within us, beyond ourselves, which we get from him. If you reverse God's order, it'll only result in disaster 
So if we're not supposed to do stuff, what are we supposed to do? Because we've all got it so simple. We do stuff for God. If we do stuff for God, God does stuff for us. That's the idea. Wrong. The only thing God wants you to do is get crucified. That's it. Nothing else. Simple, Tim, isn't it? All you've got to do is be crucified with Christ. Everything else happens. You don't have to go into all the long list of stuff to do. You've just got to surrender. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And so all the stuff that we do, everything else, is not us doing anything for God. It's God doing everything through us. Isn't that wonderful? This is good news. That's why they called it a gospel. It wasn't down to what you did. It was down to what he did. And what he did means he can then work through you. And when he works through you, the stuff that you do isn't you doing it, it's him doing it. And when he's doing it, then the results that are produced are not human, they're divine. And they're not temporary, they're eternal. And this is the amazing truth of the gospel. With Christ, all we've got to be is crucified, raised, resurrected, and seated. And that's glory. It's not, you're never going to get to heaven and God's going to say, no, let's just check this out. Wayne Fries, what did you do? No, because it's not what you do, it's who you are. And who you are isn't down to you, it's down to him. And what he is at work to do in you. You may say, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not even sure that I qualify. Well, that's fine. Katrina and I showed you what to do. Just collapse into his arms. Let him catch you. Let him be Lord and King within you. And sit with him in heavenly places for eternity. And have a nice day. That's how to start, then how to grow. <laughs> oh, yes, this is where it gets. Have you got a sense of humor? Are you going to understand English humor? No. <laughs> Have you driven your vehicle past an orchard and seen the fruit trees and watched them at work in the spring? And you pass the average apple tree. And you watch the apple tree at work. And you see it. And you hear it. Fruit. Pips. We can all identify with this. We see it regularly. As in orchards, fruit trees try to do the job. No? This is the difficulty. 
because growth normally comes from struggle. But fruit grows naturally. And most of us in our Christian lives think it's all about... (coughs) No, it's not. Graham Kendrick has written a lot of songs. There are some he'd like to forget that he ever wrote, so I'll quote quote one to you. Is that all right? (laughs) Being myself isn't half as bad as I thought that it might be. Living in the love of Jesus, who loves the likes of me. And isn't it good to know that I don't even have to try to fight for a place in this old human race? Because I'm already home and dry. I'm just being myself in Jesus. And he's being himself in me. And the life that I live is the life that he gives. And I'm living it naturally. That was Graham's response to the apple tree story. It's, It's really important to get hold of. God doesn't ask you to work at being a Christian. God asks you to rest at being a Christian. To rest in his arms and let him produce in you all the things that he wants to do. Because when you rest in his arms, when you surrender to him, a relationship starts. He comes to live in you. Now, if Christ is living in you, what do you have to do to produce the likeness of Jesus in you. you just got to get out of the way. And so what Christianity is all about is resting in the love of Jesus, getting out of the way, letting Christ come through. It's not about your effort. It's about your union with him. And so it's not about what we do, but who we are. Now I'm going to get into real trouble. You see, most Christians want to grow in God, so they go to more meetings. Anyone would think that Jesus called us to abundance of meetings. I think he called us to abundance of life. And the thing that we normally say is, well, I want to get deep teaching. Oh, heaven forgive us. The deep teaching trap has caught so many people out. I want to know more. A. I have doctorates. I have theology degrees until they're sort of spitting out of me. That gets me nowhere. It's not what you know about God that does anything at all. It's how much you know him, not what you know about him. Lovely story that Jim Packer tells in his book, Knowing God, about a a friend who was dismissed from his job as a theology tutor in a seminary. And he was talking to a friend of his and just bemoaning the fact that he'd lost his job and he'd lost his future and everything else. And so the friend says to this guy who's just lost everything, why did did they fire you? Why did they get rid of you? And he said, because I went on talking about Jesus. I didn't go giving information. 
I talked about the person. And then he looked up and smiled and said, but it's all right because I know Jesus, not just about him. I know him other than by hearsay, and they don't. And that's the reality. We've got to be very, 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 very careful about how many books we've got. My wife is laughing. That's not fair. When I was in England, I had 7,000. I've now got only about 1,500. It's doing well. 20%, the number's getting down. I don't think I know the Lord less now that I've got less books. You take my point. It's not what you know about God that makes the difference. It's how much you know him. You see, our life is to be in union with Jesus. So it's all about the hope of our calling, enjoying everything God has given us. It's all about the riches of our inheritance, which is Christ. We're going to inherit this Jesus one day. It's all about the working of his power within us. Again, English is a horrible language because it doesn't give you enough words. So if you, if you study Greek, there are four words for love. One is about the love you have in a family. One is about the love you have between a man and a woman, sexual love. One is about the love that means commitment that comes in a depth of friendship. And one is the love that we have for God. They're different kinds of love. You don't love God like you love your lover. It's different kind of love. Well, there are different ways of talking about knowledge. And you can talk about what you know, and the casual Greek word for knowledge is gnosis. But then if the Greeks want to confuse you, they talk about epinosis. And before you get confused, epinosis simply means a deeper knowledge than just head knowledge. It means something that involves more than your head. It involves your heart, and it involves your life. The philosopher Adolf Mono said, philosophy, taking man for its center, says, know yourself. Only the inspired word which comes from God has been able to say, know God. Knowing God is more than something you do with your head. It's something you do with your heart and your life because it's not just knowing about him, it's knowing him, okay? Thirdly, you've got to go to how to learn. God never says, sit down. You may say, hang on, this is called sit. Yes, but God doesn't say that. It's what you say to a dog. God says, be seated. So what is the difference between sit down and be seated? The difference between sit down and be seated is that be seated refers to uh, a chair that God has provided for you. Sit down means just 
stick your bottom wherever is available. God wants you to do something different. He wants you to sit where he has put you because he has done it all already for you. Right, now we've got a bit of excitement. Are you up for a bit of excitement? Can you get enthusiastic? You are not British. Therefore, you can do things that the British are not able to do. You can respond. You can reply. You can yell. You can get excited, can't you? Good. Let's take what the scripture says God has done already for us in order that we may sit. Okay, just a couple. You'll see the scriptures uh, flashing up there as well. We've been chosen in Jesus. (sighs) Before the world began, we've been chosen in Jesus. Well, I must say the enthusiasm is so American. (laughs) I, I mean, it was positively over the top. Let's try something else. God has called us to himself. Oh, it was deafening. We've been crucified with Christ. Because we've died to sin. We've been baptized into his death. We've been made alive with Christ Jesus. And we've been buried with him. So one day we'll have eternity with him. Now is that exciting or not exciting? So let's try it again and see if we can get a proper response. We've been chosen in Jesus. God's called us to himself. We've been crucified with Christ. We've died to sin. We've been baptized into his death. We've been made alive with Christ. We've been buried with him. And one day we will live for eternity with Jesus. Thank you. Now, all of this is given in the Greek. Now, do you remember when you did grammar at school? You remember any grammar? So you remember the aorist tense? Well, no, you don't, because that's only in Greek. (laughs) So I'm going to have to teach you some Greek. Is that all right? The aorist tense is past. means it's done already. All of these things are in the aorist tense. You're already chosen. You're already called. You've already been crucified. You've already died. You're already baptized. You're already made alive with Christ. You're already buried with him. If you're Katrina, if you've surrendered, And all of these things have happened. So no one can say no to you. By the way, uh, get rid of this stupid idea that Satan is your opponent. If you read 
The New Testament, only twice is Satan called the opponent of the Christian. The word satanus, or Satan in Greek, means accuser, not opponent. So Satan never goes up to Abby and says, no! Because Abby's like, get out in the name of Jesus, get lost. It's easy. What Satan can do is come behind her and say, if they knew what you were really like, if they knew what you've actually done, if they've known what the story is, the whole story, that's what Satan does. He comes behind because he is not the opponent, he's the accuser. He's the one who's trying to bring you down. And boy, is he successful. How often do you listen to the lies of the enemy? How often do you believe that you're worthless? How often do you believe that you can't do it? How often do you believe that it can't happen? How often do you believe that you're not worthy of belonging to Jesus? And yet he has said all these things, therefore (coughs) they are true. Because our God cannot lie. It's a contradiction in terms for God to lie. God cannot be anything other than truth. Therefore, the truth is what he says about you, not what you say about you. So all you've got to do, as Abby says, is get lost. Go away. Let me try and explain this just a little more. The big problem that we have is that we like to walk. Like Martha. We love to do stuff. And yet God wants us like Mary. Not walking, but sitting. Because your body wants to walk, but your heart wants to sit. To sit with Jesus Listen to him. And so God made us alive together with him. God lifted us up with him, made us alive in him, and made us to sit with Jesus in heavenly places. We very simply have to learn that he's done it all. So what does this mean? How then do we live? How do we live? How many of you can tell me what state Itasca is in? Good man! Texas! Texas indeed. What happened just before World War II in Itasca that was front page news. The biggest child tragedy in American history. Yeah, no, because it was, a, it was multiple, but you're, on, you're in the right vintage. What happened in Itasca was a fire. That's all, just a common or garden fire. 263 children were burned alive. 
And so the authorities in Itasca determined that this would never, ever, ever, ever happen again. So they managed to purchase the finest sprinkler system in the world. And they installed this sprinkler system in the school because it was in the school that the fire had killed all the children. Seven years after the end of World War II, they were doing some ordinary repairs on the school. And they found something. They found that this world's finest sprinkler system had never been connected up to the water. So they had the finest sprinkler system in the world. And it would never have worked. For most people who call themselves Christian, the Christianity is a bit like that. They've got the best available, just never connected it. They've never connected the dots. They've never done what was necessary. They're so busy trying to walk and earn God's favor or to stand in confidence with all he means to them. They never realized he just wanted them sitting, receiving from him everything he wanted to give them. Because then they would be able to walk and everything else. But you see, the spirit of America is we make our money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. That's why it's really hard, hear me, for a European or an American, nowadays also for an East Asian, to be a Christian. Because it's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. It's not about earning it. It's about resting in it. It's not about walking. It's about sitting. And then it all works out. What does this bring us? Jesus takes us on a helter-skelter ride from gloom to light, from bondage to freedom, from despair to hope, from, oh, I love the American pronunciation. The British is horrible. The British say from wrath to glory. From wrath to glory. So much more impactful that way. From death to life, from hell to heaven. And Jesus has done it. We don't have to do it for him. He has done it for us. All we have to do is surrender and sit and rest. Then we can walk. God has promoted us to glory. Let's have a momentary digression. You remember the story of the, uh, of the um, rich young ruler? The first thing he says to Jesus is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Wrong question. Or try the prodigal son who says, the older brother says to the father, 
These many years do I serve you, and yet, you see, the secret of how to live is not to do something for God, but to let God do something for you. It's not to do something for others. It's let God do something through you. In a really brilliant portrait, people don't say who was painted, but who did the painting. We're not supposed to draw the attention to us, but to the one who's at work within us. To do that, we need to sit with him, rest in him, let him work in us, and let him do the changing of us. And that's why the whole secret of the Christian life is not what you do, but who you are. It's not how you serve, it's how you receive. It's not how you work, it's how you rest. And the whole story starts with resting in the arms of Jesus. So I want to ask you very simply this morning, I'm not asking you about 50 years ago. I'm asking you now, are you surrendered to Jesus? I'm asking you now, are you resting in Him? I'm asking you now, do you belong to Him? This week, Ruth and I have a problem. We have to go back to our homeland. One of, my, one of our closest friends has died last weekend. He was number three in the British government in our day. A man renowned in the country. And I've got to go back. And on Thursday, Friday, I've got to give the tribute on behalf of church and state to the Right Honourable, the Lord Mawinney, who I just simply know as Brian, my brother in Christ. And I need to talk, not about what he did, but who he was. Not about what he achieved, but what Christ achieved in him. Not about where he was, but about where he is because that's what makes the difference. Sit in heavenly places with Jesus. Rest and get ready for Michael next week. God bless you.